0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justin Muscat and I'm joined here by Tyler Brooke. Say what's up, people, Tyler
2: what's up feels weird replacing Tex, corporate overlord uh wanted to say before we start in honor of Tex. Uh, you know he usually does his bourbon that's thematic uh after watching the cowboys 49ers game my bourbon of choice is a bud light because that game was a shit show
1: it absolutely was yeah shouts to Tex. i think he's in uh hawaii right now
2: oh he sounds terrible
1: kicking his feet up having a nice little like my tie or something like that little poofy umbrella drinks but um I, we just watched, like, one of the grossest games of all time in terms of the end-game end playoff scenario. Um, we're recording this before uh, Steelers-Chiefs just because we wanted to get this out there for you guys. But uh, the NFC is, is you know, basically locked up in terms of what the games are going to be looking like moving forward. It's going to be the Green Bay Packers against the San Francisco 49ers, and then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won earlier and are going to be playing the winner of the Arizona Cardinals or the Rams on Monday night. Um the Cowboys game, just very odd. I mean, both teams with the Cowboys had like 15 penalties or something like that. The 49ers punted in like enemy territory with a fourth and one got a delay of game and then did a false start. So it ended up being a punt on a fourth and 11. Um, and that, that was in crunch time. The last play of the game, the, the, the sequence at the end of the game was basically San Francisco, for whatever reason, decided fourth and one, the play that we want to run we're going to trade left tackle Trent Williams to the other side of the formation and move him like a tight end. He doesn't get set fast enough. So they end up getting a false start, which is not the right call. The, the, the right call is illegal formation or um, I, I think it's illegal formation because it wasn't set for a full second, which is what you have to do when you're a player who's on the ball. That, that's the difference. If You know, you could do jet motions and yeah. and you know, have the ball snap. But if you're on the ball, you have to be set for a second. He wasn't set for a second ends up being a fourth and six. I think they got another penalty from there. And then they have to punt Dallas gets the ball. They have like 28 seconds left. It ends up being San Francisco, just saying conceding and just saying, all right, there there was one uh, hook and ladder. There was the hook and ladder first play that ended up as a rugby
2: fan. Let me tell you, we need more hook and ladders and laterals in the game. The fact that they did two, you know, obviously that one early on in the game was absolutely atrocious, but you know, I do genuinely believe that laterals
1: and rugby style plays can work at the next level. I don't think I've talked about this yet, but there was a high school that I coached against in, it was either the 2015 or 2016 season in, uh, in Oregon. It was in, uh, it was in Bend, which is like where, uh, what's his name? Drew Bledsoe coaches. Now I coached against Bledsoe's kids. That wasn't fun, um, <laughs> but uh, there, there was a high school, uh, Bend high school, the lava bears. That's the, that's their name because they're on a mountain. They run like a hook and ladder. Like it's basically like, a, it's just a curl and then a flat with a running back out of the backfield. They run that as like a staple play. And we played against that. And then they'll also do fake pitches and they'll also do like that curl will turn into a, a curl and go. It, it's really hard to defend because I mean, it basically turns into the option on the perimeter and you get out there so fast. I love um, this. The, the hook this and ladder. Awesome. I agree. I, I think laterals are going to be more involved. Like as the future comes along, like, you look at any of like the triple option stats at the college level, and the, the highest yield is always the pitch. You know, yep. it, it's not the handoff, it's not the keep, it's always the pitch. But the hook and ladder—I I was kind of surprised. You know, they zoomed into Kellen Moore on the sideline right after, and they didn't even bring up the Boise State thing. It's like that's like oh, a yeah. thing. You know, yeah. like trick plays in a game scenarios. Like that's what like Boise does. So they get the hook and ladder. They end up getting it, I think, at like the forty-yard line, and then it just becomes this trade of San Francisco playing the sticks. Uh, Dallas just getting 10 yards. And then they finally say to hell with that, with like, I don't I don't know how many seconds there was left. It, I think it was like 15. Um, then C- San Francisco calls a timeout because they're swapping personnel. They don't have the right guys in. They're covering the sideline. And Dak Prescott, I guess they decide, okay, if they're covering the sideline, they called the timeout. We have time to regroup. We have time to talk about this. We're going to run a quarterback draw. Here's the problem. The umpire is the guy who has to spot the ball and the guy who starts the clock. So you can't snap the ball until the umpire puts it down, which is what everyone brings up when they talked about like Chip, Ke- Chip Kelly's hurry up, no huddle, and how it can't really translate to the NFL because the uh, the, the sticks aren't moving fast enough. You know what I mean? The, the defense is still waiting to get set. You're not getting these free plays with guys you know running because they have to hightail behind a sixty year old umpire yeah, who's yep. going downfield. So. I think that was more of just a bad play call for the situation. I mean, San Francisco to a certain extent is baiting that. And that is kind of what you call in that situation, but they needed two more seconds on the clock and they didn't have those two more seconds. I mean, I guess like, because referees, as much as people hate them, you can kind of talk to them and let them know something is happening. Like even at the high school level, they'll say like, you know, Hey, do you have anything like weird, you know, you're going to be running that like, we need to keep an eye on like a double pass or something like that. You just want to give them a heads up so that they have eyes on it. So they're like, Nope, we we know that that was good. And you know, there's nothing weird. Like you have to go to that umpire and say like, Hey man, we're running a quarterback draw here. If you could please haul, (laughs) you got to move. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you could please haul your ass on this play. So we don't, you know, die on the vine here. Um, That would be great. But clearly that communication didn't happen. Once I saw, the ball get bobbled and the referee like squeezed between the guard and the center. I was like, there's no way they're getting the snap off because there's already two seconds left. He's ready to snap before the referee even touched it. So
2: chaos. It was just, the entire game was just so poorly mismanaged. You know, I would give it like 80%, just Mike McCarthy being Mike McCarthy. Kyle Shanahan didn't manage that game well either. It was really, I think I saw you two as a meeting of the minds. It was just, it was kind of incredible, the incompetence. And what's wild is when you see like the number of penalties, I would still think it was a pretty well-officiated game. It was just both teams were playing, well, especially Dallas were playing incredibly sloppy. Um, Other note I had about that game, you know, as far as the potential opponents, I think everyone that's a Packers fan was thinking, uh, as far as the potential opponents, don't want to be playing San Francisco, right? Like, that's the big that's the big boogeyman. After that game, not even remotely
1: scared. I'm not either, and I don't really get it. I understand the running game stuff and everyone being worried about the running game, but if they get, you know, the pass rushers back and they have more of a rotation on the defensive front, um, I'm not worried about Devondre. I'm not worried about the safeties coming and tackling. The corners haven't really been – an issue in the tackling game like it's really been bodies being worn out and if you can get even just Zedarius, Darius but if you could get Darius and Whitney Merciless back like you're going to keep guys fresh up front the run defense is going to look better than it has all year the big problem is Tipa goes in he's too he's listed at 229 right now and every time he's in it's just at will you can just run at him at will like and he's getting 15 snaps a game right now
2: you the one that worries me is Savage. Uh, you know, you talked about tackling on the the back end. Amos is phenomenal, like wherever you put he's... him. But Savage, uh, he has that move where he just says, "I'm going to lay my entire body into you and not wrap up," and he thinks it's going to work. I've yet to see it like really work. So, especially with a guy like George Kittle that he's probably going to have to be defending. You know, that's one of the major concerns. Other than that, though, I think it's just Debo Samuel is obviously a guy that, you know, should scare you. It's someone you have to pay respect to. Thank goodness Henry Black has been replaced in dime because Debo out of the backfield and passing game could be a real issue. Curious to see who they line up on him. But it's Jimmy G, man. You know, I think you said it. We, If all the uh, quarterbacks uh, the Packers had to potentially face, far and away the worst remaining in the NFC
1: is Jimmy Garoppolo. Easily. I mean, there's no worse. Is there a worse quarterback in the playoffs at all? No. I mean, Ben right now, because he's playing on Sunday night football, but soon to
2: not play. be Ben. So yeah,
1: it'll be Jim exactly. <laughs> Cause I mean, if you're picking out of these guys, I don't even know who's second worst. I mean, it might be Burrow and Burrow was a guy who at the end of the year was in the MVP conversation a little bit. I know, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of that w- was driven by, you know, analytics and stuff like that. Not necessarily the people actually voting on the game, but um, you look at, You look at their last matchup, right? Um, They didn't have their backs. Uh, The the leader in carries was Trey Sermon, 10 for 31 and a touchdown. Um, Half of his yards came on one carry. And then second in terms of carries was Kyle Yuschek with five for 14. No one else had more than one carry other than Debo Samuel, who's obviously, you know, quote unquote wide receiver. He's just an offensive skill player is really what he is. Jimmy Garoppolo had a 47.4 QBR, was sacked four times, threw a pick 25 of 40. in terms of the dropbacks, I believe that's 25 of 45, including the scramble and the sack. So I don't know. I'm just really not worried when Jimmy Garoppolo is the trigger man. And if you look at uh, the schedule um, moving forward, I, I don't know if they're going to release it tonight or if they're going to release, release it tomorrow. But if this game is on Saturday, when it's yeah, going to be, you know, that's
2: a big thing too. Negative
1: yeah. 20 uh, wind chill. Like, hey, man, I, I do not have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo being able to play on the road and doing that. I mean, the, the play that might have saved San Francisco, honestly, in the game. And it, it feels like completely forgotten at this point. The Jimmy G pass. Yeah. Jimmy G dirting it into the ground behind the line of scrimmage, not being able to get it to Kittle because then Kittle ended up fumbling the ball after he secured it off of the ground. Um, And that ended up being overturned or or called dead. I can't remember which one, but I
2: think the sky judge said that it was incomplete, which by the way, huge fan, huge fan of sky judges, just could not say enough about having that
1: sky judge is good. Um, One other thing, uh, Sam Schwartzstein, I know you've talked to a little bit now too, Mm -hmm. and uh, he's been on the pod too before. I think he was on with us to uh, preview the Steelers game.
2: Sounds right. Um, Yeah.
1: He, I I worked with him with the XFL. He, He came up with the rules. One thing that he brought up was, you know, end of game scenarios, last two minutes of the game. Um, One reason that we did not start the clock for, so we would have the play clock go for five seconds. We wouldn't start the actual uh, game clock for five seconds. So like, you know, 40 seconds. All right. You you know, it gets ticked down to 35 before the actual time starts running off. The actual game clock was because it takes time to spot the ball and you want to give that team that opportunity. You don't want, you don't want games to end the way. This yeah, that was, is.
2: yeah. It's From a pure end. fan perspective, you don't want it ending like that because that's just a, a bonkers way for a game like that to end. I right. completely there, agree. There's,
1: there's ways to fix this. There's, it just hasn't happened yet. And maybe this spurs it. I mean, we've seen before with, you know, uh DPI being something that can be reviewed because of a playoff game and stuff yep. like that. Playoff games can impact these rules more than regular season games. It's something that we can fix. It'll be interesting to see. If anyone cares, because seeing an offense die at the vine like that, it's not fun. It's not fun.
2: And don't forget that this is a playoff game that impacted Jerry Jones. So you are talking (laughs) about one of the most influential owners. You have to imagine that something gets talked about. I'd be for it. I think that is a very simple rule change that could be very reasonable.
1: Yeah. And did you watch uh, the early game, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay?
2: Yeah, we should t- we should talk about the other games. I feel like this weekend too, but that was
1: uh, that was not a football game. That was a ass kicking. So so here's what happened with me. I got a bad night of sleep. My my buddy's over. He's hanging out, so he's crashing in uh, the futon in in my uh, office. I actually had to record this a little later because he was taking a shower. or wall connect. so I was like, Tyler, give me five minutes. I, I gotta wait before I can go and record. Unless everyone wants podcasting
2: to hear problems. It. That's ultimate running podcasting water problems.
1: Yeah. Um. So I didn't get a great night of sleep. Uh, 17-0. I see them kick that field goal. And I was like, you know what? Nap time. Because I know what's <laughs> not going to happen is Jalen Hurts isn't going to come back against this Tampa team. And at that point, I had seen, you know, whorfs go down um, and stuff like that. But I didn't watch uh, the second half of the game. And then by the time I looked up and woke up from that from said nap uh, as a Pro Bowl long napper, you know, 31-0. And then I guess they put on, you know, garbage time at the end, but I was doing stuff around the house. So I didn't end up catching the second half of that game. I just felt like there was really no reason. I, I we know who the Tampa Bay bucks are, but yeah. what a disappointing game at the end of the season for the Eagles. And kind of makes me want like the Eagles were the last seed in the NFC. The Steelers who we assume are going to get beat down by the chiefs. This is going to look terrible. If they, if the chiefs lose, by the way, it, it's going to be an awful podcast. Just gonna <laughs> be dead in the water, but um. Do, did we really need to expand the playoffs? doesn't no. really make sense. It feels like we made two playoff games less watchable.
2: Yes, and the beauty of the playoffs is games like the Raiders and Bengals, which we'll get to, or you know this Cowboys-49ers game. I will say this, as gross as it was and sloppy, I would watch that game 100 times out of 100 compared to Eagles-Bucks. Um, since you miss most of the game, just – is bad play calling and bad execution from Philly. Uh, it was, it was really hard to watch uh, on the defense. It was a lot of guys trying to make like the me play and not staying within their assignments and just, you know, giving up explosives, but Tampa didn't look that good. I really do think that losing Brown and Godwin is really going to change how they play. Cause I think people forget about Godwin, you know, Packers fans, especially love to talk about Alan Lazard as a run blocker. Godwin gets dirty and For he's sure. one of those guys. That's just a phenomenal player all around. So Uh, Losing him and Antonio Brown, who is, you know, as you know, all the off field issues aside is a top you know 15 wide receiver in the league as far as ability. Um, So other than that, uh, I do have a big beef I want to talk about with Tampa Bay's medical staff. Um, I think the way they handled Tristan Wirfs uh, was it kind of leads. I saw the
1: tweets afterwards uh, where people people were saying he was like he looked like he was like limping, like he looked like he was hurt when he went back in.
2: So he looks like he gets a high ankle sprain in the first half. Right. Uh, he yeah, goes he got rolled up, yeah.
1: up on, on run play
2: looks really bad. He's struggling to put any weight on it. Second half, he comes back out there and it's a, at this point, it's a completely meaningless, meaningless game, right? Like they've completely controlled this game. Right. He's in for like three snaps and every time he drops back in his past set, he is struggling to, you know, get his footwork down. He is let gingerly. And then he hurts himself again on the third play. So, you know, for all of Antonio Brown's antics, this does not help the optics of Tampa Bay's medical staff to have a situation like this where you roll out a guy clearly hurt in a game that's well out of hand. Uh, I just had a big beef with that. Uh, let's let's see what happens with worse. I I don't feel great about him playing next week, honestly.
1: And if he doesn't play, I mean, that means a backup is probably going Va- Vaughn rushes from the right side from, you know, you're looking from an offensive perspective. He rushes on the right side and then Chandler bounces around. So, I mean, that that could go. Either way, depending on how Monday night ends up working, did Jensen end up coming back? I know Jensen was the one who was like punching the ground, you know, say like not getting any assistance, you know, in terms of weight moving off of the field. I think that was one of the last plays that I ended up watching. I
2: think. Jensen came back and he was fine. Um, so I wonder if it was just like, you know, tweak something, got a knock, uh, but he came in and was fine. I will say worse backup. I think it's Josh Wells, 30 year old undrafted free agent. When he, you know, got into the league, he <laughs>
1: looked like that. I'll, I'll just say that much. Oh, no. Um, an- another thing about Tampa, just in general, I know uh, their defense made a bunch of plays, especially, you know, their safeties and stuff. Um, they, they played very well today. And, you know, Ndamukongsu was looking good and stuff, which, you know, should, should scare us a little bit. But in terms of the skill players, everyone always brings up the wide receivers. And to your point, Chris Godwin is extremely talented, just in terms of him being able to not only just perform from the slot, but also like run block as a wide receiver. I mean, when they, they they motion Godwin down so much that it's almost like how outside of Green Bay and the Rams, it's really hard to find a comp for him, like in terms of like wide receiver basically playing a tight end position yeah. sometimes. Um I guess the, the only other guy who really comes to mind is uh uh Laquan Treadwell, the guy from uh, Jacksonville who who played at Ole Miss.
2: I would not have been able to pull that out of my head. Justice I'm to be completely honest. don't watch enough Jaguars games to get here's that
1: one. Yeah. This is when, you know, you gamble too much on <laughs> when you're like, yeah, they use uh Laquan try to well like that on, you know, this awful team that's going to pick first overall again for the second time in, in a row. But the other thing too, beyond just the wide receivers, uh, Vaughn, Keachan Vaughn was the, their leading, uh, rusher today. And then Gianardi, uh, Gio, Giovanni Bernard, uh, was their second rusher. Um, So worth noting, like, their backfield is is not fully healthy. I know we kind of got some good news from the Leonard Fournette side this week in terms of Tampa thinking, like, he he might be able to play. But neither him or Ronald Jones could go. So if it's Keyshawn Vaughn, like, I don't know how, you know, that downhill run game is going to work against a team like Green Bay compared to Philadelphia, which probably, in terms of bland defensive calls – Philadelphia is number one in the league with a bullet point. It's them. And then it's probably Oakland yeah, or Las Vegas. Sorry.
2: I will say Kashawn Vaughn, you know, I remember watching him. He got subbed in, uh, I think after Fournette got hurt against New Orleans. And he looked like he had absolutely no idea where he was or what he was doing. He did look a lot better today. Uh, He was pretty decisive with his cuts, uh, ran North South pretty well and finished with contact. So uh, something to keep an eye on. I think if the, at the point where the Packers might get to the NFC championship, I imagine both Fournette and Jones are back.
1: For sure, for sure. Um, Let's take a break, and then uh, we'll talk about some of these AFC games, and then uh, talk about the Packers a little bit more in depth.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: And we're back. All right. So let's talk about these AFC games. Um, Bengals? Win uh, their first playoff game in my lifetime against the Raiders. same. My lifetime too. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh. So now, now, now it's the Lions. The Lions are the ones that have to get the monkey off their back. They're the they they have the longest uh, playoff win drought in the NFL currently. Um, that game was fun, frankly. Like that. That's exactly kind of what we expected coming into it. I think I I, I thought both uh, Cincinnati and the Raiders in terms of being able to sneak up on teams. Um, Whoever won that probably had the best chance outside of Kansas City Um, because I I think, frankly, they're more talented than Tennessee. I think they're more well-rounded than Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo went off against the Patriots. We'll talk about that a little later. But um, in terms of being well-rounded teams, I mean, both these teams can run the ball a little bit. They both could pass the ball. They had threats at wide receiver, and they both play some defense. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, that that right side of the offensive line that seems to hate Joe Burrow uh, didn't let him down enough to lose this game so joe burrow ends up advancing which i, I didn't realize he was uh, just the third first overall pick who had won a playoff game in his first two years as a oh, wow third all-time it's, it's him luck and michael vick
2: wow wow okay makes me miss andrew luck a little bit being from indianapolis wow every time he gets Shout brought up, you were in a the same so. building
1: as him what's that you're in the same building as him Oh yeah. For the
2: national championship. Yeah. We saw him and his mustache and everything. And everyone got, actually I was trying to clap for him when he was on camera, but I'm surrounded by Georgia fans, not from Indy. And they're like, we don't care about injury luck. And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) I got built the stadium. No, that's Peyton. Um, But man. um, Yeah. Just makes me really sad, but we'll say this uh, for. As fun as the Bengals are the right side of the lines a concern. The big concern for me was the pass rush. Their pass rush could do pretty much nothing, it felt like, the whole game. You know, obviously, they got a couple game-changing sacks. They had that stripped sack early on. But for the most part, Carr had way too much time in the pocket. Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, that was also, a, the,
2: that, also the officiating, but we can get to that in a second.
1: Yeah, the officiating was not great. They, they already said that that uh, officiating crew isn't going to be uh, in, in any more playoff games, I believe. Um, that, that was the Jerome Borger crew, right?
2: the same crew that called the Packers 49ers game at the beginning of the year. It was just atrocious. So my absolute nightmare would be Boger and his crew calling that same game next week. So thank goodness he's done. He's done. He's out.
1: Whenever the league has to make a statement about officiating in a playoff game, they're not happy. They're not, they're never happy. Um, yeah. I mean that, that wasn't great. So Cincinnati is going to be playing Tennessee this upcoming week. I mean, I don't know how much this rest really gives Tennessee. I know they had like a lot of their skill players are banged up, but Tennessee seems like a team that is kind of lucky to be here. I mean, frankly, if if we're assuming Kansas City wins this game against uh, Pittsburgh, San Francisco Green Bay, the winner of Los Angeles and Arizona against Tampa, Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Tennessee. Tennessee is hosting one of these games and has the one seed. They might be the least talented team in the divisional round.
2: Derrick Henry is back at practice though, I believe. So right. that could be a pretty big game changer if he's fully healthy. I will say I have seen mm-hmm. when Derrick Henry is not fully healthy. He did play on that bad foot against the Colts. It is hard for him to move when he's not hundred percent lower body. So
1: I, he I meant, wasn't really that fast of a guy to start yeah. with. It was no, always it's just, just, he's like, got
2: momentum and size and strength, right?
1: It's just, Hey, I'm at some point I'm going to beat a corner and it's a coin flip. If that corner can even get me to the ground, you yeah. know? So That'll be interesting. Um, the New England Buffalo game. I'm happy I took Buffalo big in this one. Um, I, I had some good amount of money there. I lost like half of it because I ended up betting the uh, unders because I knew that the, <laughs> game, the game was uh, not in great weather. Um, Buffalo became the first team, I believe, to finish a playoff game uh, without a punt or uh, a turnover at all.
2: What did I see? I think it was the. I think it was the first NFL team team ever i think it was regardless of post really no, no field goals punts or turnovers something like that yeah yeah something
1: insane it was only touchdowns or expiration of clock it was basically yes. because they did have you know that last one was was a knee a knee
2: um it was I think new England got severely overrated by the tail end of the year. I think people started to figure out what their identity was and just really started to expose it. Mac Jones. I think he had a phenomenal rookie season when you think about what he was supposed to be in theory, Uh, but he he's got some work to do, right? Like he's still not completely comfortable in that offense and he has no wide receivers. Like it's bad, man. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is like your most productive receiver on the night. Something like that. Like, I don't know what it is about new England not being able to find like top tier wide receivers. They lucked out in getting Randy Moss. And then outside of that, like, you know, Wes Walker, Danny Amendola, you know, solid careers, but never like a true number one guy.
1: But those guys are all option guys over the middle. And, yeah, I mean, that's not really different than like what they had in Gronk and stuff like that. And, you know, for, for as much as their tight end unit, you know, they spent so much money on their tight, lot those tight ends. Of money. And we kind of assumed that they were going to try to mimic some of like what they did with Gronk and Hernandez. You know, because we, yep. we had seen that mold kind of work under Bill Belichick before. And I don't think we ever really saw that. I know Hunter Henry came up with some big passes in this game, but it, it doesn't look like a team that's well-built on the offensive side. Like when your deep shot answer, when Buffalo's just pressing you to hell, which is what they did in the second matchup when Buffalo be- ended up beating the Patriots, um, is, you know, we're going to take a deep shot to, that, to Nelson Aguilar with Mac Jones throwing the ball. It, it doesn't work. Like you need you need a better answer than that, and I think New England kind of has to go back to the drawing board and figure that out.
2: The other the other thing about New England is uh, their run defense started getting figured out a lot, and I wonder how much of that was the lack of Christian Barmore, who had you know get another rookie that they drafted that had an exceptional season. Uh, and then the other point, just Josh Allen, man, like you know a guy I whiffed on as far as draft evaluation, I was not sold on him coming out of Wyoming. That's,
1: so here's the thing, here's my thought on this. I, I saw Quincy Avery uh, tweet this out. Quincy, who works with a bunch of he's a, yeah. you know, NFL quarterback trainer. Um, he tweeted out, like, I watched uh, Josh Allen's film and, you know, had some skepticism. I watched him in his rookie year and it confirmed my skepticism. And now he's just good. I, I don't know if the evaluation <laughs> was gone or, or, or was bad, but he didn't perform well in his first year either. I mean, he looked really yeah. bad. Yeah. He wasn't a productive guy at, at the college level. Like, you can watch that. The, that Especially uh, against Power
2: 5 schools, it was, like, yeah. really bad.
1: It, he wasn't a good quarterback. He had all the talent in the world, but he wasn't a good quarterback, and he seemingly is, like, the one kind of traits guy who's, like, developed accuracy at the next level. I think he, uh, since Matt Ryan, no quarterback has a higher completion percentage than he ever, like, in the NFL than he had at the college level. And that's something that that Josh Allen was able to do. So shouts to him for being able to put the work in and kind of correct those flaws. But it's a flaw that isn't often corrected and you shouldn't bank on it, you know?
2: And he's just a fun guy to root for too. He just seems like a a nice kid, which makes me feel old calling him a kid. Um, Also just an absolute howitzer of an arm. So it's always fun to watch that. I'll never forget that earlier New England game during like the rainstorm, uh, the winds howling everywhere and he's still like throwing darts. Where the
1: RPOs, the, where you're like, what the yeah. heck? is just slicing through the room.
2: Where the Patriots could only throw the ball three times. The Bills are out here like, oh, we can still throw the ball. It's fine. Don't worry about it.
1: So if we look at the – so Buffalo's going to probably go to Kansas City. That's as fun of a matchup as we're going to get. And that honestly – Hey, man, be it's like, still
2: scoreless. It's still scoreless in this game. I can't see I know, I
1: know. Patrick Mahomes just threw a pick in the red zone. But Buffalo-Kansas City is like as – uh, shoot y as you're going to get in this playoffs. You, oh, know? man, that's going to be awesome. I think a lot of people wanted that the first round uh, if the Chargers could have snuck in as the seventh seed um, with that tie. But Buffalo-Kansas City isn't a bad matchup. I, I kind of feel like do, – do you feel like there's more talent in Buffalo-Kansas City than Cincinnati-Tennessee? Oh,
2: 100%. I think – there's a lot of guys on Buffalo I feel like don't get enough national attention. I'm a huge fan of Dion Dawkins, their left tackle. I think he's pretty damn good. Uh, obviously, Packers fans' favorite, Micah Hyde. Really I miss well. you. The fact I that miss
1: you, Micah, yeah, I know.
2: The fact that secondary is holding up without Tre'Davious White is, you know, kind of a miracle um obviously you got uh, ed oliver on the front he's having a good year uh star latula is kind of you know had a good game he made a play yesterday and i was like
1: hey nice nice for you Star." because star opted out of 2020 um he famously had that like uh heart condition you know at the combine he was talked about as a top three pick ended up falling down the draft because of his medical at the combine and opted out last season so i kind of honestly forgot that like he was there like you think of the interior defensive lineman in Buffalo and you think of Harrison Phillips just because he's played so many damn games for him yeah and then Ed Oliver because he was the first overall pick you know Sarlatulule kind of slips the mind a little bit and then he makes a big play in the playoffs and you're like hey that guy I remember you
2: Three guys did that to me this week, and it was Star Tulele. Ryan Kerrigan had a couple sacks today for the Eagles, which right. was absolutely wild. And then I saw Travis Benjamin making plays for was it the Niners? Yeah, the Niners. And I'm like, early I early in not the know. game, Design I, was like, I did not know he played. I was like, what is going on? Running uh, plays for him. Very weird to me to
1: see all these guys I had completely forgotten about
2: making plays. All
1: right, so breaking news here: I just got tagged in the uh, oh god SB Nation NFL communities uh, chat. The uh, Green Bay Packers are four are five and a half point favorites against. San oh wow! I kind of like that line for Green Bay. At that's the a end lot. Of the day, it's Aaron Rodgers against Jimmy Garoppolo. I think.
2: Yeah, that's just so a San lot. Frans-
1: San Francisco got banged up in that game. I mean, yeah, that was Nick the big thing. I was had a uh, a not great looking uh, neck injury that they ended up calling a concussion. I mean, his head ended up, you know, basically folding at, at the neck. Because Gross. his teammate ran into him. And I think he was getting held on that player or something. There was, some yeah, big of
2: time, big there. time held.
1: And then um, Fred Warner ended up going down with a non contact injury that I think a lot of people immediately was like, dang, that's an ACL. And it ended up being reported as an ankle and he didn't come back. So defensively, I mean, we know San Francisco's corners are not good. That That's the flaw. The flaw of their team is quarterback, the right side of their offensive line, and run skill.
2: Oh, yeah. just attack Brunskill the whole game.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was interesting. Brunskill was the guy who, because it was so loud in AT&T, and when the center, you know, Alex Mack, you want him with his eyes on the defensive structure. Brunskill was the guy who's looking back at Jimmy Garoppolo. So Brunskill actually is the guy who has the lowest time to, uh, like, mentally process what is happening on the defensive front. And I'm like, if I want to give anyone more time, it's Brunskill because he's 280 pounds playing guard, you know? So Packers
2: fans should remember pretty clearly Brunskill from that first game because Kenny Clark just absolutely ate his lunch the entire game.
1: And that's what I'm expecting in this game. And Dean Lowry, you know, last time we saw Dean Lowry, he looked like October Dean Lowry, which is kind of the best version of him that we've seen of his career. So if, if, if they're playing well, uh, Kingsley Kiki can, you know, kind of return to the lineup and start looking like a productive player. I I really like that matchup. Um, Tom Compton, their, their right tackle, has looked better than I thought he was going to end up looking, but Brunskill is still a big time issue.
2: Yeah, uh, obviously, I think the real concern, if you're thinking about from the Packers on the defense, is, you know, gap containment, which compared to previous years, holy crap, they've done such a better job. But the one guy everyone wants to call out, which is fair, is Rashawn Gary, right? Someone that can get really hyper-aggressive on the pass rush. And I get it. You know, you're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo, want to get a strip sack or something. Uh, But, you know, I could definitely see where San Francisco's offense tries to plan and use that aggressiveness against them.
1: And even then, San Francisco had 38 carries, 168 yards or 169 yards. Two of those came on like one was a long, like a Debo carry, one was an Elijah Mitchell carry. Again, Elijah Mitchell wasn't there for that first uh, Packers game, it was Trey Sermon. But I don't know, like when, when push came to shove at the end of the game, Dallas got that team, you know, off of the field. And if if Kyle is going to be as conservative as he was in this game, I don't know if San Francisco has the firepower in terms of, like, the trigger man and deep speed on this team to keep up with what, you know, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers can do. Well, I mean, think
2: about this. You know, outside of the scripted drive, which is a thing of beauty, the 49ers only scored one other touchdown, right? Right. Like, that's that's pretty significant to me. Um, There are parts of that offense that can be exploited, and if you can contain Debo and Kittle uh, and get some pressure on – garoppolo which again we're talking about merciless and z coming back you're talking about two units of edge rushers able to keep each other fresh man that is both exciting and scary 49ers fans because the one thing that we've seen time and time again when you get pressure in garoppolo's face very 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 bad things gonna happen
1: the other thing too again to to bring it back to the uh, earlier point you know dallas if they had two more seconds on the clock right they have enough of a shot to throw a hail mary at the end of the game for for a win potentially at the very least tie that gets them into overtime. Dallas had 14 penalties for 89 yards in My this God. game. Very sloppy performance. San Francisco on the uh, on the other side, nine penalties, 58 yards. I mean, just a, they look like sloppy football teams. Those teams yeah. didn't look like championship level football teams. Um, I, I think. Buffalo made a statement. I think Tampa made a statement. I don't I don't think San Francisco did. I
2: no, really no, don't. No, no. How much of a difference do you think it's going to be for them playing going from playing in Jerry World on that turf to playing on Lambeau Grass? I feel like they always talk about playing I mean, you're not going to hit, hit the Jumbotron. <laughs> you're
1: not going to hit the Jumbotron. You're not going to get the weird blinding light that comes from like the yep. north-south alignment that they that they end up having uh, with those big windows in the end zones for whatever reason. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a weird one compared to, you know, what they had earlier.
2: I feel like I've feel like i heard Packers players talk about that the footing is noticeably different, and then, like, they, they notice a lot of their opponents, especially in the winter conditions, that, you know, struggle with their footing early in the game. So I'm not sure how much validity there is to that, but I am curious to keep an eye on it.
1: I've talked to people about that before, and it seems like um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that not only is it it's like hybrid synthetic. So it's like kind of like half grass, half turf. Like there's some sort of like wiring or something like on the inside of it that like, it, it's weird. It's not like a hundred percent grass. It, it's not soldier field. It's not Pittsburgh. It's not Washington. Right. Um, But not only that, the fact that the, the way that they heat the field to like keep it away from, Oh, the it's the moisture. There's, there's like three different factors. The Packers, Create a very different environment for NFL teams. It's one of the reasons why they wear mesh jerseys still. They're the only team in the league that still wears mesh jerseys. Wow. Every, everyone else switched over when the Nike contract happened in 2012. Yeah. Um, that's why you don't see like the weird, you know, sweat boxes and stuff like that on Packers players in the same way you, you see other teams. But looking at San Francisco's schedule, um, these are their uh, road games since November. Jacksonville, Seattle, Cincinnati, Tennessee, Los Angeles. It's not Green Bay. You know, they they, they got the road game against uh, Philadelphia and Chicago before November. Um, I can't remember if that Seahawks game was, was a weather game. I don't think so. I remember the Seahawks played one weather game earlier this year.
2: What was their record in those away games, just out of curiosity? I know weather isn't a factor. Just they, be,
1: they beat Jacksonville. Oh, surprise. Um, okay. They beat Jacksonville. They lost to to Seattle. They beat Cincinnati in overtime and then yeah. they, they lost to Tennessee and then they beat the Rams in overtime. That's so right. They ended that, up going yeah. one, two, three, they went three and two um, okay. over that, but two of those wins are in overtime and the other yep. ones against the worst team in the league. So <laughs> yep.
2: well, that gives me some hope. There we go. Again, I think heading into this game, it was just like the, don't draw the 49ers, but I think all their warts got exposed in a win. Uh, And I wonder, again, this is just a completely vague, non-scientific thing, but, like, you have to feel like a lot of the emotional bank account was spent in a game like that, right? Like, really high intensity. You're going to be playing on a short week. Like, I can't imagine how easy it is to get that juiced up again for a game after, you know, something like this.
1: And I'm sure they left, like, a ton of it on the field, too. I mean, Dallas was in a spot where they were so desperate. They were calling, you know, fake punts. And stuff mm-hmm. right and they called multiple hook and land like you were in a dog fight and how much of that do you still have in the tank in terms of like we kept this secret all year you yeah. know what i mean like they had that i think it was like a third and long like weird dubo samuel reverse yeah, yeah that's right?
2: reverse yep yeah.
1: so that's out of the playbook you can't call that again right so some of that stuff is just kind of getting deleted um in terms of the actual snaps they didn't have that many um i'm looking 25 pass attempts mm-hmm. for jimmy 38 carries but I'm sure those 38 carries wear you out a little bit and the only running back who's getting those touches was Elijah Mitchell so hopefully he's worn out a little bit but I mean we saw Fred Warner went down already Nick Bosa went down already Jimmy is Jimmy uh Brunskill didn't show anything that scared me the corners were okay I mean Dak was able to get 230 yards I mean I I think the 49ers pass rush did a whole lot more than their secondary in that game um
2: Dallas's offensive line looked putrid, by the way, in my opinion. Like, spent a lot of money on some of those guys, and it was uh, it was
1: not great. Connor Williams was crying at the end <laughs> of the Carter game, Williams. and I was like, dude, I, I don't know if you should be the one doing this right now. You know, I'd be crying <laughs> too if beat I like completely
2: completely grabbed the bed like he did. I mean, it was it was really bad, man. I don't know.
1: Um, so five and a half. I like Green Bay in that situation. I really do.
2: That's a lot more than I was expecting, and I still like it. Um, we should probably talk – well, I guess we did talk about how the Packers' offense matches up. I mean, secondary is going to get exposed. I yeah. think the run game is where things are going to change a lot of warners out. Um, Big pass for, I, have a, I have a hot take. Oh, so I said it in the Slack. I don't know if I should say it in here about Nick Bosa, but um, I think he plays. I'll just say that.
1: How many, like, guys got knocked out for cover this week? Didn't seem like many. Oh, there's no way the NFL's testing for COVID. That's there's a hot like, take, I'll say. i say. I didn't think about it until today. And I was like, huh. There is no, like, hey, like, two cornerbacks are out. Or, like, two offensive linemen are out. So, I don't know. It, I have seems, a, I have it a, seems like a lot of guys are going to play through injuries and stuff. If no one, if no one tests positive for COVID and someone
2: calls it out, I I have the perfect PR spin move for the NFL and be like, well, you know, people at home are struggling to get tests just like the normal people. So we just stopped testing and gave all those tests to people that needed them. Boom. Spin zone.
1: There we go. They they did say that at the beginning, right? There was like that weird joint statement by like the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB. And they were like, we're not going to. Take tests until other people can get their hands on them. Oh, I didn't see that at all. So
2: that would make sense. Well, that was like two years ago, though. Too. mm, Um. (laughs) Now, now you got to kind of put your money where your mouth is.
1: Damn. No, it it is hard to getting tests. By the way, I I mentioned it on the other pod, but uh, you know, I I tested positive after I think I got it New Year's Eve. I I ended up testing positive that Monday, and I was my my throat was banged up really through like this past Friday. Honestly, not fun. I I said zero out of ten. Do not recommend. But uh, the first time I got tested, it was from a testing site that like wasn't even testing the actual results. You can look it up, uh, look up like a fake vaccine or fake COVID test Oregonian and and you'll find it. The way they ended up finding this is this woman put her uh, Apple AirTag in the bag with her test and she tracked it to see like, you know, had the bag, you know, moved to the facility and got tested and all this stuff. She ended up getting her result back before the bag had ever moved and then she went back to get the apple air tag out of the bag and it was still in the bin that she had dropped it off in. so like there's places out here that are like giving fake tests like yeah it, it's, it's it's not, not great good look man it's not great it's not, it's not great. a great situation that we're in right now
2: um oh my
1: anything else you want to hit
2: I'm excited, man. I think this weekend was, I know anytime you get a first round by the wild card weekend is the best, right? Like you just got to watch all the games just from pure entertainment standpoint. Um, things are definitely, you know, think about all the injuries the Packers have suffered. You're seeing everyone else that's alive just have significant players go down. I mean, we talk about Wirfs, we're talking about Bosa, and we're talking about Fred Warner just all in one day, you know? So this is why you have the first round by to keep yourself healthy uh, I think I would tend to agree with Lafleur's strategy of, you know, getting some guys some game time, gate teens, so they're not, you know, super rusty. Uh, but we'll see. They got to wake up with their piss hot.
1: They sure do. We we got to get Bach uh, so he doesn't get fatigued after a quarter. We got to get Lucas Patrick off of the COVID list. Billy Turner uh, back practicing. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is out there. Randall Cobb off of IR. Uh, oh, God,
2: give me Randall back. Just J- third Jair third
1: Ready to play games because he didn't play against Detroit, even though he had been activated and taken off of the uh, COVID list. Whitney Merciless off of the IR. Zadarius Smith. I still can't believe that.
2: I still can't believe Whitney. That blows my mind.
1: I was shot him and uh, Myers, which was like a state secret for for the entire season. No one talking about Josh Myers at all. And then one day he's just at practice and they're like, yeah, he's ready to go. He's going to start this week. Okay. All right. Didn't they
2: get no for revealing he had surgery too?
1: They like revealed that they, he had surgery. And then there was like a follow-up question about like what part of the body he had surgery to. And they were like, we're not touching it. Like you'll know when you need to know. You'll know when you need to know. I mean, we still haven't heard oh. from Zedarius this whole season. He hasn't met with the media at all. Hasn't spoken Very sus, man. I missed the Smith
2: brothers interviews. Can we get those back? Are, oh, well, I guess they're not both facts. So we can't do it. Can we just do like a, a zoom interview with both of them talking over each other awkwardly like everyone does in Zooms because I miss the Smith brothers interviews, man. Those were great.
1: They could do something outside. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the uh, there we go. social media there we go. Can do something outside. All right. Uh, keep it tuned in to uh, the feed this week. Uh, we should be able to get, you know, all, all five shows up this week. Um, you know, keep it updated to uh, APC. The website um, should have some positive injury news, hopefully leading up to this game. No negative injury news. Hopefully all these guys end up coming back uh, totally healthy and can play. And uh, let's go beat the damn Niners.
2: Goddamn right. Let's go.